Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of your favorite podcast, the number one sports podcast in your hearts and dreams, even though it might not be on the record books in the world. In the world. Uh, this is Teeing It Up with CNV. I'm your host, Connor, as always, with my co-host, Vladdy, and another special guest today, making a second appearance on the show. I will introduce <laughs> him first, uh, Easton, sitting right next to me on my oh, yeah. side of the Zoom. What's going on, man? Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back, man. Happy to be here. And as always, our other co-host, Vladdy, what's going on, man? How have you been since the last show? Uh, I'm good. Uh, since the last show, uh, I saw that the Christmas movies are starting to hit TV. I watched Home Alone this past weekend, and it's kind of yeah. hit me that like we are at the end of the calendar year. So yeah. that's always cool. But other than that, I'm going to Vegas on Friday, so I'm excited for that. And... There's F1 there, so it'll be a very interesting weekend. Uh, we'll see what happens. But how are you? I'm good. Nothing's changed in my life. Uh, are you going to hit the tables? Absolutely. Um, strictly blackjack, but we'll see. Strictly blackjack. Yeah. What you got to do first time, first night, first whatever, first like 30 minutes you're there, go to the roulette table. Put like a, all the money you have for the weekend on black, and that'll dictate how good your weekend is. It's either going to be great, yeah, and, you're, really and you're going to have double the money, or you might be you might, you might be in a you might be in a motel in Reno. What if I want to put all of it on green and have a really good weekend? If it is, yeah, you could you could if you put it on green and won, yeah, you would be you would be living probably the movie The Hangover out in real life. So absolutely. Except that it's F1 weekend, so I'm sure half a drink costs $10,000. Yeah, I can imagine. Is that, I'm assuming that's what you're there for? I mean, kind of. We don't have tickets to the actual race because watching races in person is stupid. You see the cars for three seconds, they yeah, by, and then they move. Uh, the other thing is, the race is also super late. It's really weird. I don't understand what they're doing, but. That's mm. we we can talk about that next week, kind of when we're back from and kind of have an idea of what what it was like. But uh, I mean, it's Vegas; you never know what's going to happen. So we'll see. Literally I'm excited. Uh, yeah. So we're going to start off a little different than we normally do. Uh, I'll start off by saying we're the biggest mushes in the world. Before we get into the segment, <laughs> uh, we're going to do a Michigan State basketball preview. We said we were going to do it. After this week or after last week, even though they started playing last week, assuming they'd be 2-0, and we'd have a big game against Duke tomorrow. We'd still be the number four team in the country coming into this. That's not the case. Uh, Michigan State 1-1 one and one to start the year after the overtime loss at home to James Madison. Um, I guess we'll kind of segment to the season in general. Uh, return four or five starters, uh, three uh top 30 recruits in the country, uh, two McDonald's All-Americans to this roster. It looks like a team that can go 10-11 deep on every night. However, that's what the paper said going into the year. Malik Hall has been hurt forever in his career at Michigan State, and I don't think he'll ever be healthy because I don't think he'll ever be a good basketball player. But, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I don't know. Where do you want to start with Michigan State basketball this what? year? Really, the only notable loss is Joey Hauser. Everyone else is back. Tyson Walker is probably the leading offensive guy. Yep. Uh, big guys 
uh, big guys, you'll see a lot of Sissoko and Carson Cooper, it looks like. Um, at the mid-wing spots, it's going to be Jaden Aikens and Cohen Carr and Malik Hall. Uh, and then the guard play will obviously, again, be Aikens, Hogard, Walker, uh, Holloman, and Jeremy Fears. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I do want to quickly talk about the James Madison game. Uh, I won't go too much into what actually happened. I don't really care if they're better than advertised or if they're veteran leadership or if they're the preseason pick the Sun Belt or whatever bullshit conference they're in. You can't lose to them at home if you're Michigan State, if you're the number four team in America, and if you claim to want to have national title aspirations. Um, Yeah, uh, uh, (laughs) that's all I can say. Uh, Yeah, it it just I'm going to be hard on them very early in the season. Uh, there's a lot of expectation with this team, obviously being preseason number four, they're now all the way down to 18 because of that loss. Um, this is, I, I, I think some of this hype has been unwarranted and I think I've, I, I just been holding back on it for a while because it's the only not depressing Michigan state thing going on. Although <laughs> it now it's looking like it's turning into being that, but those four returning starters as like potentially good as they can be, they haven't won jack shit in their three and a half years of starters together. Uh, and I, I, I don't think that necessarily changes. You're like you're either a winning group or you're not a winning group. And this team has really not won anything together. So I don't know why the expectation was all of a sudden after three years of playing together, uh, AJ Hogard and AJ Nakins and Sissoko and this team is going to figure it out and win together. Uh, it looks like the fresh – I think a lot of that had to do with the freshmen. All three uh, – I'm not even counting Norman because he's probably going to get redshirted. All three – I know he's injured, though, to start. All three are very, very raw. They all look like they have potential, but they're all very, very, very raw. The only one that looks like he's going to be a real contributor this year is Cohen Carr. Uh, he's a freak athlete. He could jump out of the gym. I questioned the defense early on. I haven't liked what I've seen on that side of the floor. Um, however, just his legs that he has under him are already infinitely better than anything that we call brings. And I look for Izzo to kind of do a typical Izzo and play. I play my veterans and young guys got to learn and be a part of my program. And it doesn't matter if I'm going to lose because I'm playing a 17th year senior like Malik Hall. I know this is this this preview has turned into the Malik Hall rant, um, but that's kind of what the early season has shown. Uh, yeah, thoughts on the basketball team? I I think Izzo's almost struggling with having too much talent right now and not knowing how to get that to mesh together. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully it's early and we he figures it out. Obviously, but I think we're we're going to struggle a little bit early on figuring out who who's going to mesh well together. The game against James Madison, I didn't watch the uh, other game. I forget who we played. But the game against James Madison, if you looked at it, we were always seven guys in and out. Yeah. Um, there was nothing. Like, we couldn't get any chemistry going. So, yeah. I think that struggled. And I think also not having that kind of spot corner shooter, um, that, that token white guy, you know, the, the Matt McQuaid. Joey Hauser. Joey Hauser that can just knock down those Clay Thompson shots and bang a three i think i think that's kind of also that, yeah that's one thing i think and i hope will change you're not gonna go uh they're two for 32 in two games from three that's gonna change hopefully yep. uh and that will get better and that's how this team kind of made a run at the end is they like joey hauser didn't miss a basket no he didn't second half of the season uh and akins was a great shooter last year tyson walker was a great shooter last year tyson walker 
preseason second team All American. Uh, he's got to be the he's got to be the guy. And it's it, it, it's as simple as that. We start getting silly and getting the ball down low. Uh, I think I just I just see a lot of last year's team, and I know it's because there's a lot of last year's guys. Uh, in that we're going to struggle to guard big guys. I don't I don't know if we have a true – we still don't have a true elite big guy. Booker is the rawest of the three. Uh, I have not been impressed at all for him being, like, the highest recruit we've ever gotten. Um, and I think uh, going back to what you said, Eason, is very true. When you have this team that can go 11 deep, and I say in parentheses because I'm not sure 11 guys should be playing, uh, specifically Trey Holloman. Um but <laughs> this is a classic Izzo thing to do is to have a short leash on guys, not let a lineup settle in together. Nobody is comfortable or in the flow of the game by playing with each other. And that's kind of the Izzo way. And you just hope that they do have enough, like you said, to kind of overcome that. Uh, and I hope that's not a lingering problem as the season goes on. Yeah. The, the two things I would have mentioned that you guys cut into I think before we get into the season predictions was the three-point shooting it cannot stay as bad as it will be the law of averages says so and if it does then you're just the worst three-point shooting team that's ever been assembled ever and yeah and the other thing is that uh, that's a perfect kind of mention by Easton and by you was Tom Izzo and this isn't this isn't new he's, he's never let his guys get into a rhythm it's always been first mistake yank them second mistake yank the next guy and you've got eight people in the game, and three minutes have gone off the clock. He's he's. There's never been rhythm. There's never been coherency. You mentioned the loving the play, the senior leadership, and the young guys have to learn the Tom Izzo way. And so, we'll see what happens. He does tend to figure it out and kind of settle in as the season goes, and he does get an idea of which ten guys can play together. Because it's not like he says, "Oh, I'm going to get down to seven. But he does yeah. get an idea of what lineups work the best as opposed to what players work the best. And it, it, it tends to get better as the, the Big Ten season wears on. And that's why he usually finishes at or near the top of the Big Ten standings. But I don't know. I've, you mentioned I just have not been impressed with this team. Maybe yeah. that was maybe that was because I saw the number four before them. And I've, I've always argued this preseason rankings in college are stupid, especially yeah. now with the transfer portal, because you are playing with completely new teams year over year. Maybe I saw the number four and I thought, Oh yeah, this is a team. And this does not look like a team. No, so, uh, to reiterate your point, North Carolina was the number one preseason team in the country. They failed to make the tournament this past year. Yeah, uh, And like you, uh, I don't know. I, We'll get into we'll go we'll go into our predictions now. I think this team loses eight games. They're a five seed and they finish third in the Big Ten. Interesting, Easton. Yeah, pretty similar. I mean, I I'd say pretty similar, but I probably a little. I I'd like to see him as like a four, three or four seed. Hopefully, I think Izzo is gonna kind of figure it out as time goes on. I mean, we played Tennessee, who's the number one team in the country right now, and we lost by. One, granted, it was a scrimmage, meaningless game, but still, it's not like those guys aren't trying out there. Absolutely. So, I don't know. I, I think we, he kind of figures it out a little bit. I think he also kind of realizes this might be one of his last hurrahs or last last chance. Yeah. Granted, it's been two decades now since he's won one. And we will see. I mean, they play Duke tomorrow, uh, and they're going to play Arizona, who uh, who played. I don't know if I have you guys watched any of that game. Both I did. Of them have some dogs that Michigan State just doesn't have. 
They're, both those teams have guys that are going to be a problem for Michigan State to guard, specifically guard-wise Caleb Love for Arizona and Filipowski. I'm not sure who's going to stop him on State tomorrow. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I don't know if I'm going to go with records and seeds. And I just say this, uh, you mentioned this is kind of, I think maybe he knows his last chance. I completely agree. This is a team that's set up to be a very, very high seed. And the other thing that I do want to mention is Detroit's hosting Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games. If you're a top, if you're a top eight team and you're on the one or the two seed line, the committee loves to give you home games because they make yeah. more money that way. And now, granted, we don't have a very good track record of playing in uh, Detroit when we're a high seed. But if he wants to do it, it's going to be done this year. And so. I, I don't I can't sit here and give a prediction because the predictions have never worked out. This is a team that can go deep and it's a team that can flame out in the first round and, and cop out I'll answer. Cop and out then answer. I'll just say get out and I'm done watching the D'Antonio Lakers. Yeah, that's an interesting point, the D'Antonio late years with them. But the yeah, the only different I don't know. I don't know if Izzo ever leaves. I feel like he's gonna die at the helm. Whether that's in whether that's in six years or sixteen years, he'll hand the team off to Steve. To Steve Izzo. All right, let's uh let's get into our normal talk football as we always do, uh, week ten in the NFL, uh, and then college. Well, as we always start with, uh, we'll get into college first, as we always do. Vladdy, your surprise of the week. Uh, where is my college surprise? I'm sorry. Okay, um, Oklahoma State is my surprise of the week. Um, one week after winning Bedlam and kind of taking the, the reins as like the second team after Texas in that conference and saying, Hey, we're going to meet you wherever the big 12 title game is. I actually don't know where they play that, but they, they show up one of the newcomers sub 500 UCF and they don't even lose. They get absolutely hammered. So yeah, I, I, there's not too many storylines there for me. It's just uh, talk about coming out flat after an emotional win. Yeah, yeah, I almost had it as a surprise. I almost had it as the fraud, actually. I oh, there's you can't. We, we're gonna have the same fraud of the week, and yeah. we're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, 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 I almost put it as my fraud the Big Twelve in general. It was yeah. a piss poor week for them. Kansas lost a, a bad Texas Tech team, like you said. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State lost. Um, Texas played a weird, I guess it was, you call it a good win against the bad TCU team. That was a weird game where TCU was in it for a lot of it. Uh, I walked away from this week being the Big Ten is the worst of the Power Five. I mean, I don't know if you, I, can, I don't know if I can say that. Maybe the ACC, just because like I don't hear from them a lot at all. You you can't say the Big Ten as bad as the Big Ten is. You just can't when you have two of the best three teams in the country. Yeah, and I mean again, we love Harpy on Penn State. We're gonna harp on Penn State, but Penn State shatters everyone except for the two two of the three best teams in America. Right. So right. they're not some – you put them in the Big 12, they're probably finishing second. So I, I don't think yeah. it's fair to say that the Big 10 is worse than the Big 12 or the ACC. Yeah. Uh, our surprise of the week is Georgia. Uh, Georgia is – Georgia showed that they're for real. 
I had my doubts all year about Georgia. I hadn't really watched them until last week against Mizzou. They looked pedestrian, which you could throw Mizzou as surprise of the week. They absolutely pounded Tennessee. They're they're legit. Uh, So it turns out that that was a legit win last week. But they pumped Lane Kiffin. Didn't even – it was 14-14. I looked up again. It was 49-14. They're for real. They're scary. They have just as good of a chance as everyone to play in the last game of the season. Can I say something funny about Georgia? Now, granted, this is a placebo. And Brock is back. I I was going to mention that, but can I say something funny about Georgia? Have I have you guys ever watched them play a road game against a big school? Because like maybe no. I'm just placeboing this this Missouri Ole Miss game back to back, and then maybe the Tennessee game last year. I've never seen them play a game on the road against a team that matters. Yeah, it's an interesting point, and I agree. But I also like, and it's maybe because Georgia's schedule is only second worst to Michigan's. Yeah. He's not wrong. And like, I don't think I watched Georgia before last week. So that could play a role into something. I know they'll, but yeah, I, I can't remember the last time they haven't played a neutral site or a home game that I've watched. Your game of the week. Well, like Utah, Washington. I think it's kind of, uh, yeah, that kind was of mine. a given. That was mine. I'll, I'll let you guys, let, let you guys start there. That was fun. I mean, it, it kind of – the defense kind of slowed the offense down in the second half, but that was just all offense all day. It had everything. You had a pick pick almost six with the guy dropping it. Like, that wasn't even remotely close. That, that wasn't one you had to slow down. I said that live at a restaurant. I was like, he dropped that. He dropped that three and a half yards short. Like, that dude should be benched forever. He's saved by the bell by the fact that they got a safety the very next play. Uh, so they got two of those seven back and the ball. Uh, Michael Penix continues his Heisman run. I truly think at this point it comes down to uh, the Heisman will be awarded after the Pac-12 championship game. Whoever wins that is going to win the Heisman trophy between Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Because uh, another quarterback who was in contention uh, didn't throw the ball in the second half. And frankly, that's unacceptable. I don't care what the situation of the game was. Uh, that's my take. Also, Utah, a lot better than I thought. They've played everybody close. They've beaten USC. Sneaky, really good season for not having Cam Rising all year. They, they are they are that kind of classic 10-2 and two team. You're not, you're not really going to blow them out. Um, I mean, you bring up the guy who dropped it two yards away. I said the same thing. That, that's the first time I've ever seen one of those types of plays where you don't need to go to replay. You just no. – watch what happened you're like oh wow what a what a dumbass um and yeah i mean i could maybe throw jade and daniels in the conversation with uh, yeah. with phoenix and bo nicks but the three losses will kill him um he's not he's not i think he might be the best player right now but unfortunately the situation won't win him the heisman yep um and you, you mentioned mccarthy uh i'm not gonna sit here and say it's unacceptable he didn't throw the box they won the game it's just you're not going to win a Heisman, and yeah. it, it is what it is that way. And, I mean, Washington keeps rolling, sets up game against Oregon State, which is probably the only game worth a damn that I saw for this upcoming weekend. Yeah, horrible. And, I mean, interesting to note, Oregon State's favored over Washington. That's saw that. Cool, but, like, Oregon State's still a top-10 team in their own right, and they're at home. They kind of play a very differing style of – Pack, they're not really the the Pac-12 football that we associate with the rest of these teams. It's quarterback driven. They're all about on the ground. 
Um, the running back's name eludes me, but it is kind of a Big Ten offense of we're just going to run it down your throat and you're not going to stop me. A Big Ten offense in that they don't score? I mean, Big Ten offense in principle, Pac-12 offense in results. I believe Iowa Rutgers, I think it was, was a 27-and-a-half over-under in the under-hit. Yes, it did. Uh, 22 to nothing, Iowa was the final score. Yeah, Iowa had a chance to actually go for the over. They had the ball late in the game with with uh, at, like the, at the three or four-yard line. They chose to knee it out. What Iowa's sneaky eight and two. They are. They are sneaky eight and two. And it's funny because I I mean the Big Ten West is an abomination. I think they might be yeah. the only team that isn't five and five. I think they clinched with that win. Probably. That's yeah. they're they're pathetic. Um but I will say that defense is is very, very good. And if it's Ohio State, I'd be slightly worried. That that game could go deep into a game and it's a, a weird bouncer or a turnover could cost Ohio State. I don't think so because I just I think it maybe it won't be that the typical blowout that we see for, with a, with a Big Ten East champ playing the Big Ten West champ, but I, I don't know how Iowa would score on Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, you might get some field goals if you're Ohio State. Maybe you're up fifteen to nothing. 17 nothing. Yeah, it won't be the the classic 42 nothing. And then the starters come in and the West School gets a touchdown right at the end to feel good about themselves. It, it wouldn't be something like that, but I don't I don't think they'd stand a chance against Ohio State. Yeah. Uh fraud of the week. Um Easton, who's your fraud of the week? Who's America's fraud of the week? James Franklin. Yes. <laughs> James Franklin is the worst. Football coach in America. Great recruiter, has done good things for the Penn State program. On the field, in game time situations, the man had a three and a half hour stroke on Saturday. Yeah, that was. Can I just say, I, I looped. Oh, and we might have lost. We might have lost you. We're going to need to see that passion repeated. Where. Where did you – what part did you lose me at? Because I'll say it again. I'll no, say start time. the whole thing. We need to see an uninterrupted rant. Oh, James Franklin has done good things for the Penn State program. He's brought them back out of the borderline death penalty that they were. He's done well in recruiting. He's recruited five stars that don't know how to throw a pass, but other than that, he's done well in recruiting. As far as in-game situations – he didn't make one right decision on Saturday. He had a three-and-a-half-hour-long seizure, and it ended, and he made the best decision of the weekend by firing his offensive coordinator on Saturday. Yeah, that's, that, 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 was, that was a tough watch as someone who preys on Michigan's downfall and waits for it and enjoys it. It was really sad seeing Penn State in a game that was honestly winnable due to Manny Diaz in that defense. Yeah. And then you've got Drew Aller, who – I, I actually I, I was looking at his stats. I think he was ten of twenty two, and he's part of my fraud of the week. I don't just leave it at James Franklin. He was ten of twenty two, and maybe five of those ten passes were thrown behind his receiver, and they had oh, to make adjustments and do yeah. something stupid behind the back and completely kill their kind of momentum. I think the only pass that I remember seeing that was in stride was the touchdown at the end where he hit his guy right after the cut. Yeah. Everything That's else weird. was behind or and then for the incompletions, those were some of them weren't even close. You were you were watching it that the Penn State receiver wasn't on the screen sometimes. It was it was impressive. 
I mean, I know the he's fourth 19. and sixth play was to a ghost. <laughs> Dude, I I know he's I know he's nineteen, but like you still have to show something, and that was like that was Spencer Petras at Iowa levels of bad football. Yeah. Um. I like the. We're gonna get into someone who uses fourth down with his nutsack a little later in the show. But to go for it on fourth and six on your own 25-yard line after Mich- in a, in a one-score game. With timeouts. With two timeouts, two minutes left, a little over two minutes left. You've given up two first downs the entire second half. And you don't trust your defense. You trust the guy who has been throwing to imaginary cones the entire game. And that's exactly what he did. He threw to the 13th man. He threw, he threw, he might as well have thrown it in the stadium, thrown it out of the stadium because that ball wasn't to anybody remotely wearing a blue jersey. And it's just frustrating because uh, you can give Michigan credit, but that's like that bad of an offensive performance is on Penn State. It's a lot of that was Penn State's offense beating itself, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, it looked like they never even really tried. And then we're going to talk about coaching mistakes when they score the touchdown at the end. And what are you doing going that. for two? Why? why Why go for two? No, if you do go for two, why are you doing a trick play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, we're going to play five on five on this half of the field. He said, we've. The only success we've had today is running the ball with our offensive line. Let's put them all off to the side and try to go without them when the game's on the line. What's funny is Drew Aller still low-key had a shot to like maybe make a break for like the goal line because a lot of the Michigan defenders were just kind of hanging around a little inside the end zone. Maybe he had a shot to do something, but he just kind of threw it away. That was that was pitiful. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if James Franklin calls plays or if the offensive coordinator doesn't Maybe James just gave him the okay to try that, but that's so, that was. I, I watched them motion out, and I'm like, "What the fuck is about to happen here?" Yeah, I was. I, I will say this about James Franklin. I was telling my my dad this yesterday. Um, if you're Penn State, you're a nine or ten win school. You're just never going to be that eleven, twelve, thirteen. Like you're like I think Michigan State fans need to like come back to earth and realize you you should be an eight or nine win program every year team. And that's a good top 25 program, but you're just simply not, maybe you're just not that maybe you're not Alabama. Maybe you're not Ohio state. So are you saying Penn state is like a historical culture program? Or are you just saying them under James Franklin are destined to be there? I'm saying, I'm saying, no, I'm saying as a historical culture okay. program, I think at this point it, what Penn State is should be the expectation for Michigan State. Oh, I would, I would, I would even say like it's, it's it, Penn State is a in between between the two. I think, I think Michigan State's is eight and four, nine and three, and then every three years or so you're ten and two like Penn State, and then Penn State should go nine and three or ten and two every year, and that's their that's just what they are at this point. I think yeah, I, mean, I think sometimes you have to accept what you are. Well, isn't James Franklin's four and sixteen against Ohio State and Michigan? Yeah, and the one was the Saquon year where he beat them both. Did you say four and sixteen or one and sixteen? Four and sixteen. Yeah, I guess he does have. I think he's. And I think the one, one was the Saquon uh, Heisman year. 
Well, they didn't even beat Michigan that year because Michigan throttled them. They gave Penn State their second loss early on, and that's when they went on that crazy run afterwards to win the Big Ten. So I don't think he's ever done the double. He's 86-38. He's had four 10-win seasons, four New Year's Six Bowls. While you're looking this up, just to kind of add another funny point about him and just Michigan and Ohio State, I would also lump in Michigan State teams that have a pulse. We always beat them when we have a pulse. Yeah. 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 Franklin is three and seven against Michigan and one and nine versus Ohio State. That sounds about right. Yeah. And he's probably 0 and six against Michigan State teams that have gone above 500 as well because. Yeah. No, I genuinely, yeah. you, you look at the 2018 year, I think that was when Felton Davis and all of them walked into Happy Valley and beat them. We beat them in 2017. Obviously, we beat them in 2021. We beat them in 2015. So you just look at all of the Michigan State teams that have ever, at least not ever, but recently while he's been there that have actually been worth a damn. You can't beat those guys. Yeah, it's, that's an interesting point. So maybe, yeah. But now, now here's my hypothetical to that. Since you asked me, do you think that's do you do you agree with me that that's a that's a Penn State program thing, or do you think that's just Penn State's peak with James Franklin as their coach? So I would have to probably look back at what Joe Paterno did with them, and was he kind of a similar thing? Was he cranking out national titles like Tom Osborne? But I would I would say you're probably accurate in kind of claiming that. They are a 10 and two at best, usually. And then once in a blue moon, when you get the coordinators right and the right quarterback and maybe a leader is a senior team, maybe you can sit there and push one of the bigger schools. And we'll see what happens with the Big Ten expanding and kind of schedules going off a cliff. And you don't play Michigan and Ohio State every year. And maybe they'll get lucky. Maybe they'll get Ohio State or maybe they'll get Michigan at home after Michigan gets the death penalty and they'll get one of the West schools that sucks. And maybe they can do something, but. I think you, you were probably right where they are a perennial nine and three, ten and two team with the occasional kind of blimp. Oh my god, this is actually maybe a factor in the national title race. Uh for reference, Joe Paterno was four hundred and nine, one hundred and thirty-six and three. He won two national championships and had five undefeated seasons where they did not win a national championship. Damn. Uh, the good old But he was also the coach from 1966 to 2011. <laughs> he was a coach for what is that? 48, 46 years. Yeah, hey, gotta love the good old years when newspapers used to decide national champs. But yeah, that's crazy that's, that it was like that. that. That's wild to me. Um, yeah, I, I think I've kind of said what I need to say on the college side. Uh, do we want to move to to the big leagues? Yeah, we'll move to the pros that play on Sunday. Surprise of the week. Let me get down there. I'm going to – oh, my surprise of the week is the Houston Texans beating the Bengals. Ours is C.J. Stroud, so. Yeah, I mean, for me, the thing beyond that, like, I mean, you know I've been beating the C.J. Stroud horse since probably the draft. He was my QB1. I've, I've loved the guy and thought that, oh, my God, saying that he can't write his name down on a piece of paper is not an accurate representation of how he plays football. Yeah. But um, to, to actually stick with the surprise of the week, for me, it's not just that they beat him, it's how they beat him. The Bengals were probably one of the three hottest teams in football coming back from that. I think what one and three start getting yep. healthy, playing at home and granted no T Higgins, Jamar chase with half a back, but the Texans 
in my opinion, didn't just beat him up until CJ Stroud threw that near pick six, and which was a very, very rare mistake for him. They kind of handled him. You, yeah. had, you had the scrappy first half, but after that, the Texans just flipped a switch. They were 27-17 up until four minutes to go, and then Stroud makes the uncharacteristic bad throw, and suddenly it's a game again. How about this? If the season ended today, the Texans would be the seventh seed in the AFC, and the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills would be out. Hey, remember, a month, a, ago, remember a month ago when I told you the Texans might be able to make the playoffs? Yeah, one of your only good takes on this show. Oh, right get there. out of here. I'm filled with and- them. And I'm going to support you because I like I want to emphasize their schedule. They play Cardinals, Jaguars, which we will get we can get into them. Broncos, Jets, Titans, Titans, Colts, Browns. That's they play a, two teams above 500 the rest of the way. That in the Jacksonville game is at home, and they've already beaten Jacksonville once. So if they take yeah. care of that game, they'll own the tiebreaker over them. And that'll kind of set him up for a nice little push down to the wire for the uh, for the AFC South crowd. Yeah, I, I only say CJ Stroud because not only is he pushed himself to the clear number one candidate for rookie of the year, he is a very good case that he is the MVP of the entire NFL if this season ended today. Yeah, agreed. Um, you kind of look at the usual heavy hitters, Mahomes. I mean, I'm not going to say down year because they're still just dropping people, but not exactly the same numbers he used to put up with receivers who may or may not have caught a football before in their life. Um, Josh Allen has kind of fallen off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, Tua, I think, is kind of maybe getting a little bit of the negative PR because he can't beat a team with a winning record. And yeah, yeah there's, he's certainly in the he's certainly in the conversation. Hertz is a weird one to me because he has clearly not been as good as last year, but he's done everything to win. They're still good, and like yeah, the offense has been good, and he's been playing hurt. So, uh, game of the week. Let me go to and just say I think this was um this was one of the better kind of series of games that we've seen. I mean, so many of these could have been it. I mean, I think if you had to say gun to my head, I would probably say the Lions, but we'll talk about them anyway, so I just didn't go for it. That's um, what we did, too. Yeah, I mean, I would say my game of the week is the Browns and the Ravens. That is ours as well. Uh, all right, well, you guys go ahead. Easton, you've been a passenger. Say say something for the fans. This, this is actually the one I can't really contribute on because I was watching Red Zone for the uh, <laughs> the first slate of games, and then I went home, and then I watched the full Lions game. So my so, vote was so we should bring game. you back in. we should bring you back in for fraud and Lions talk? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Browns, Ravens. Uh, the Browns are good. They are. The Browns are legit. If I had to name the top five teams in the AFC, I'd consider putting the Browns at five. I don't think I would, but I'd consider it. Um, Deshaun Watson looked like he had a pulse. Uh, maybe he'd been visiting some of those parlors again, or he found the ones in Cleveland. <laughs> Uh, maybe we should cut that part out. <laughs> I realized that was kind of a bad joke once I said it. Oh uh, boy! <laughs> Sorry, we usually keep it pretty PC. That was not PC. Um, I apologize. I didn't mean it. We need some more engagement. <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll see that and they'll say, "Yo, cease and desist order." Don't talk about <laughs> me anymore. Uh, but anyways, he looked, he finally looked good. 
a great second half for him after they kind of uh, the Ravens looked like the Ravens, like, and they were going to go on another run. They seem to can't be able to beat division opponents, um, which is weird. And this division is great this year. Uh, I don't know how the Steelers are six and three and in second place for that division, but somehow they're right in the the, the run of all four of those teams being very good. I don't think they're very good, but you have to mention them because they're six and three. Uh, Lamar has established himself this year to me as a legit top 10 quarterback in the NFL, possibly a top five. He just looks very much more comfortable this year. Uh, and the Browns defense, uh, arguably one of the best, if not the best in the NFL this year. And to give up 30 plus and win a game uh, says a lot for this team moving forward. So I really like the Browns going forward. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of had it as just kind of the tale of two halves. You mentioned the the Ravens kind of romping them in the first half, and then it completely flipping, and then Cleveland romping them in the second. You mentioned the defense led by probably the leader for the defensive player of the year right now, Miles Garrett. He's when he's not swinging helmets at Mason Rudolph, he's pretty good at the whole defense thing. It keeps the helmet on his head. Good yeah. football. Um, and it was kind of, I, I kind of looked at it as like similar to the Washington Utah game at the college level where I, I kind of just saw different levels of everything. You had good offense, you had some great defensive plays, you had chaos with the with the interceptions, you had missed kicks, blocked kicks, buzzer beater kicks. It, it was it was just a very, very entertaining game. I said there was many of these. I mean, you mentioned Seattle, Washington, uh, you mentioned I mean, again, Lions, Chargers. Arizona, Atlanta was a good game, too. Hey, Kyler, yeah, Kyler Murray coming back and instantly. I mean, how does Arthur Smith still have a job? Yeah. But, that, let's see that hot seat. Uh, I would also like to nominate for being so bad of a game it was good uh, is the morning game in Germany, the Colts and the, the <laughs> uh, Patriots. Uh, that was the worst football game that I've ever voluntarily watched. Um Yet I'm going to say it was so bad it was good. Game-winning drive on the end. Bailey Zappi um, made Belichick look like he was about to cry on the sidelines. So, um, What about Robert Kraft wanting to cry up in the boot or the boxes? Yeah. He looked so sad. He, he was giving interviews. I've been the owner for 25 years. I've never been 2-8. That was, that was, did you see that? No. Oh, yeah. He, it, on one of, I don't know if it was like one of the post-game interviews or it might have even been a pre-game. He goes – I've I've been an owner for twenty years. I've never been two and seven. This is disappointing. So, uh, like, I think it's it's okay to talk about. It. He, there's no way Belichick is back next year, right? So I'm just gonna get. Into he signed it the contract. So, so I'm just gonna get into this because this is my fraud of the week. Um, the New England Patriots and absolutely everything about the New England Patriots, bar Robert Kraft, starting with Bill Belichick. Um. I've long tried to at least defend him in the post Brady kind of narrative of like, well, you know what? If he gave Tom Brady top 10 defenses every year for 20 years, he was obviously very good at coaching. Mm. But then like I sit here and I watch him afterwards and it's like, this dude wouldn't know offensive football if it hit him in the head. I mean, you see it in the moves that he makes, the receivers that he drafts, the signings that he makes. He's terrible. And I mean, Saying he looks lost on offense is just like a disservice to the word lost. Like he is not remotely on the planet earth when it comes to like having a clue how to run an offense or like put together an offense for an offensive coordinator to run. If you want to put it that way. But I mean, 
the the Mac Jones Bailey Zappy thing, pulling your quarterback after 58 minutes when you're still yeah. in the game. That's that is such a brain dead move. Now I understand if you think, oh, like, hey, maybe I think this guy's gonna give me a better chance to win. Like, you should have made that at halftime. You don't. Do yeah, that I'll, I'll, the devil's advocate. Did you see the interception he threw? Oh yeah, no, I watched the game. That yeah, was that, arguably the worst interception I've ever seen. Yeah, no, because he had the guy wide open for a touchdown. There was 15 – or not 15 because end zones aren't 15 yards, but there was at least seven yards of, like, open space for the the New England Patriots guy to just run into, and then Mac Jones shorted him by 15 feet. Yeah, it looked like Bill Belichick watched the Penn State-Michigan game on Saturday, saw Drew Howard throw to nobody 22 times, and said, hey, I want that kid on my team. Yeah. And we get him on a plane to Germany, and a, and a jet lag – Sleepy Drew Aller came and took the place of Mac Jones and just wore his helmet and jersey. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned Mac Jones. Um, I think I know I told you guys this. It's like he is throwing to bums. Like, no, I don't, I don't even, that's not about. Well, I'm not done yet. I was getting, I'm not done yet. I was gonna say he is throwing to bums, but he's a bum himself. It's just a culture full of bums because their head coach doesn't know what offensive football is. And I mean, you watch Bailey Zappi. There's a reason why Bailey Zappi doesn't start over Mac Jones already. It's because Bailey Zappi's not very good at football either. No. His interception wasn't pretty either. Uh, I listened to a podcast, and they, it was a Patriots fan, and I think this is so true. If Bailey Zappi's name wasn't Bailey Zappi, you would not be excited for him at all. It's just that I think at this point, he's just got a cool, buzzworthy name and a big arm, and you're just like, okay, maybe Bailey Zappi. Buzzworthy name broke some records at the college level. Yeah. Let's have some fun. Let's let the kid air it out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's my theory with him. I agree with that. Um, that's my fraud of the week. I just kind of took it over because you mentioned Belichick. Turn it over to you guys. Uh, ours is Trevor Lawrence. Um, they got absolutely thumped by the 49ers, 34 to 3. Uh, in a year where he looks so promising towards the end of the year, you thought he was going to take that step and kind of truly solidify himself in that Mahomes, Allen, Tua, uh, Burrow category of just total franchise quarterbacks um, and the best in football. And he really hasn't done that this year. Um, they haven't looked great against anybody good. They're, they're fall into this category of the Lions and the Cowboys, and these teams that don't refuse to play well against good teams, it seems like. Um, I've... I don't know where I feel on the Jaguars in general. I still think they're fine. Their schedule is ridiculously easy the rest of the way. They're going to be a playoff team. I worry about Trevor Lawrence. I watch him. The arm is just, and I've said this since he was at Clemson, it's just not that good. Maybe it's because he's uh, like, what was the guy from Friday Night Light or Friday, uh, remember the Titans, Sunshine or whatever. Sunshine. That's what it, maybe he looks like Ryan Gosling as Sunshine, and, and we're like, okay, like he's going to be it. He's the prodigy. He went to Clemson. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, right. He's playing like just a guy right now. I mean, yes. he, he was supposed to be what kind of was saying, like that next generational talent, that next guy who kind of just comes in and dominates. And like, like Blue Mountain State, he's supposed to be that golden arm. Golden arm. We're just and, throwing out all the good Yeah, and he's just there. he's he came in on a great Clemson team, kind of dominated there for a little bit, took down Saban a couple times, and went first overall. And it, it seems like he's just been content. So I'm he's got no dog, and 
No, I'm that's really, a good point. I'm not sure he has a dog in him. I'm super glad you guys brought this up because I was talking about this with you guys. I was talking about it with other friends. He's the long-haired Kirk Cousins. Um, he's I and, I, I, and I said this, he's regressed every single year of his career. I mean, you come into that, you look at his freshman year at Clemson when he kind of came in with that high recruit status. And I think, who was the who was the guy he kind of stole the job from? Something Kelly. Yeah. Brian Kelly. What, whatever it was, but he came in, obviously led that Clemson juggernaut team, and that's when everyone started throwing around the generational kind of thing around him. And then he regressed year two, and then he regressed year three, and then I'll be fair to him playing for Urban Meyer. No Doug one was Cal- going to succeed there. And then had a decent bounce back year under Doug Peterson, kind of showed some promise, and then in, now in year three – with better weapons, with another year of continuity for all of those weapons. He's completely regressed again, which is which is stupid because most most of the superstar quarterbacks by year three have shown that they're superstar. You look at Josh Allen. Year one, couldn't complete a pass. Year two, couldn't not complete a pass to the other team. By year three, he was kind of rolling, and now he's starting to come back down to earth where it's, uh-oh. But you look at Joe Burrow, Mahomes. The guys that are at that are at the top of the game by year three have shown I'm at the top of the game. And he's sitting there. I was looking at his stats because I, I own him in Dynasty, and I'll talk about this afterwards. But 10 games into a season, he's got nine touchdowns and six interceptions. I'm sorry, but that's Spencer Petras numbers. You got Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Trevor – Tra- Travis Etienne, Trevor Etienne. Oh my God, I forget which one is the older one. Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne. That that was that was unfortunate. <laughs> but you've got those guys that can actually play football, or we think can play football, and you've regressed. It's. Uh, I mentioned the fantasy football thing. I traded away C.J. Stroud for Trevor Lawrence and two second round picks, and I got fleeced in that deal. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Well, it's also like you sit there and it's like maybe you can try and find some excuses. And then it's like maybe it's Doug Peterson. But Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles. Yep. It's, yeah, no, it's not I, Doug just, Peterson. <laughs> it's, it's not the team either because they're a playoff team around. Yeah, no, yeah. and then that, that's the thing. It's, I, I, I've just been looking kind of how they've been scoring. Because you mentioned if, if you're 6-3, and three, if you're 7-3, and three, I forget the exact record. You're 6-3. Yeah, you don't do that without scoring points. Um, it's it's just been the ETN show. Dude's dropping two touchdowns a game on the ground. He's crazy. Yeah, well, now that I sit there and even think about it, it's like, was he ever that guy last year, or did he just have, like, kind of a weak division and a, and a great memorable comeback in the playoffs? It could have – I mean, it, that's, that's The weak division's a good point. That's certainly a possibility. Um, I mean, yeah, they, they beat uh, a Titans team with Traylon Burks – as their wide receiver one to get in the playoffs in overtime, I believe, or like last second, like they struggled to beat them to get into the playoffs last year. And then you had one of the most all-time choke jobs by the stadium chargers. Yeah. Dude, I was at that game. That was so much fun that the choke. Yeah. (laughs) It must have been sick for you. (laughs) Got your money's worth. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of the chargers, let's get into the lions. Uh, Lions fan. 41-38 41-38 over the Los Angeles Chargers. They go into L.A. and steal another one. They're now 7-2. and two. Uh, First in the North. S- solo second. Do the Cowboys only have two losses? They have three. 
I think they have three because they got shit on by the 49ers. They lost, lost to the Eagles, Eagles. And there should be one more loss. You're right. They're six and three. So solo second in the NFC. Vladdy. I'm scared. I won that game and I said, this is not this is not a Super Bowl contender. So do you want to talk about why it's not a Super Bowl contender? Should we start with the bad and just get the defense out of the way? Yeah. All right. Um, do we want to start with the players or the guy who put the team together? Let's talk about the vibes. <laughs> the vibes are great, man. <laughs> the locker room is awesome. But why the fuck is Montez Sweat a Chicago Bear and Chase Young a fucking – a freaking sorry. Uh, no, you can swear. We, we, that's okay. Um, yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, um, Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Why is he a ghost? Yeah, we yeah, we talk about regressing Hutchinson now again. May, maybe this is because of the fact that he's being focused on this year as opposed to last year, where yeah, there's like, no other side. Maybe, I mean, maybe James Houston is gonna be as good as we remember him last year. Hopefully, when he comes yeah, back, yeah, he ever comes back. Um, they had yeah, no, a lot of that. What? Yeah, gonna... let's. I'll, I'll start with Brad Holmes. I'll, I'll start with Brad Holmes. I, I mean, he, I'm sure he's very happy they won the game, but there's no way if someone strapped him to a polygraph, he could he could pass that test while saying, I made the right move, not adding anybody to my defense. Like, whether it be secondary or defensive line. Now, if you want to if you want to debate what needs it more, we're open to having the debates. I think the defensive line was a bigger need. I do too. But that, I mean... I, I don't think we had a single sack on Justin Herbert. Um, the only no. time they touched him was when was a personal foul and they got him for that kind of week roughing the passer with the hands into the face. Yeah. So the rules are the rules. We hate them, but they are the rules. I mean, the secondary was it was kind of I mean, we always love bringing this game up. That that game kind of reminded me of David Bell, Purdue 2021. There was one player on the other team that you thought, hey, he can hurt me. And they couldn't cover him. He wore number 13. Like going back to an ex girlfriend. <laughs> I was. I don't get it. I don't get that reference. I, uh, I made a lot more sense in my head. That's how you guys were correcting it. Nice. <laughs> I'm not in my head. Wait, wait, wait. What? Yeah, no, but. You know they're going to hurt. Just let them by going back. Yeah. That, that defense is pathetic. You look at the basically the four teams oh that we've played over here. <laughs> the, the four teams that we've played that have a pulse on the offensive side, or maybe even in football, Kansas City Chiefs with no Travis Kelsey and receivers who have bricks for hands. Maybe could have lost that game, but I thought the defense did all right there for the first week of the season. Yeah. Then very next week, Seattle came in and just baptized us. The San Francisco, the, the Baltimore Ravens baptized us, and then the Chargers baptized us. Now, we were lucky that the Chargers' defense is just as bad, if not worse, than ours. Oh, horrible. And we got a win, which is all that matters at the end of the day because it's the NFL. There is no, there's no beauty pageants. It's what does your record say you are. So that's cool, but I'm. you mentioned scared. I am so nervous for when we get to the playoffs and have to play against a team which has either a already baptized us before or has a quarterback who's capable of baptizing us again. Yeah, they, I, there's nothing that this defense has shown me that they're going to make any substantial run in the playoffs. With that said, let's get to the fun side because the offense is so good. 
that at least these games are fun. They are pretty entertaining. They make the games fun. We might go 16 and two, or they don't play 18, 15 and two and lose in the first round of the playoffs. But at least it'll be fun. Oh, dude, I would I would probably bite a curb outside if that happened. I'd be so devastated. <laughs> Getting curb stomped. You've never heard the phrase go bite the curb? No. Oh, that's like that's like when someone's basically like, go get ready to get curb stomped. Curb stomped. Oh, I would be I so picture you going out there and just like in the cold weather, just like <laughs> No, not what I mean. Just like no, you I have to oh, bite. You. So to get graphic for everyone listening, you put your mouth over the curb and then someone kicks the back of your head and you shatter your jaw. And you've done this before? No, I'm just saying that's what would what I would want to do if we went 15 and 2 and lost in the first round of the playoffs. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I would I I'd be the one holding your head, man. <laughs> and Easton's kicking. Yeah. Um Jared Goff should be considered for the MVP. I can't really disagree with that. I don't think he's the MVP, but I think he should be uh there should be odds for him. We'll just say that. Yeah, I I I would probably agree with the only thing I think that would always go against him is because this team is kind of predicated on the run and yeah. he is more or less the guy that he needs to be, which is don't turn it over when you have to pass and hit your Amon Rasa E. Brown and Sam Laporta in stride when you have to pass. And that's kind of his job. And he does it phenomenally. He did it yeah. phenomenally again yesterday. So he's been sensational. Doesn't turn the ball over. That throw he made on the Brown, Bruce Brown touchdown, touchy feely play action. Great call by Ben Johnson. Great throw by Jared Goff. And he did a lot of that. Now, what is it? Rock right. Brock Wright. I knew it was something with a beast. I'm so confused. He's a, a backup tight end. Sorry, I don't know his name. Uh, casual. Casual. That is, that is a casual. I only have a podcast where I talk about the Lions every week. Um, the other part of the Lions that scares me is Dan Campbell's balls. They're too big. Dude, he, he pl- we've said it so many times. He plays the game like a 10-year-old on Madden when there's no consequences if you don't get something to go for you. He plays the game like a drunk man. It's it, it's it's insane. And I, I do want to highlight just the, the last fourth down call because at the time I was kind of like, well, this guy's an idiot. But I've kind of I... wrapped my I've kind of wrapped my head around it. And it's like, you know what? If you don't if you don't think your defense is good enough to stop. Um, Justin Herbert, it doesn't matter if you kick a field goal or not anyway, you're going to go lose because he's going to score a touchdown on you. So you might as well try and not give him the ball. That's kind of how I've rationalized what he did at the end of that game. Yeah, I just don't hate it. or I, I like don't hate it that much and I, purely because it worked. And I think that's the yeah. problem. Is that, like, I think that's I, a bad that's, justification. Like, right. That's why That's why I'm saying like I don't, I don't think I agree with it because the only reason I'm agreeing with it is because it worked. Uh, the other one that really, I mean, again, like the call because it worked, was running it on fourth and five. Uh, worked. Yeah, that was... Didn't like the call, but worked, so I liked the, it. The one thing I'll say, though, is he's not the guy who calls the run. Ben Johnson still calls yeah. the plays. He's just the guy who gives him the authority to call what he wants. But you're absolutely correct. That was an insane play call in 2023 to run a draw play on fourth and six. 
the other thing I would like to say, as much as we've criticized Brad Campbell or Brad Cam- Brad Holmes on this show, is he had a vision for that backfield this summer, and it has worked to a T. He knows he has a top three offensive line in football. He's got two backs that do very different things, but do them both very well. They've slowly brought Jameer Gibbs, unlike Vladdy wouldn't have wanted, to this spot where he is now so fun to watch. He flies out there. He makes plays. And David Montgomery is also good back there. Uh, And they can do this two-back thing uh, that's kind of the new age of football, I guess, maybe not totally new. Like They invented it, but it's been kind of the trend in the last few years here. Uh, with the great behind a great offensive line like they have, I, I I do want to add to that. What I what I loved is with Monty coming back post injury, I was a little nervous to see how they would split the snaps, but it was what I wanted. It should not be Jameer Gibbs as your change of pace back. Jameer Gibbs is your featured back, and David Montgomery is the change of pace back. He's the bruiser that comes in occasionally. That's how that backfield should be split because Jameer Gibbs is a better football player. He's a more versatile player for what you want to run with your offense. And it's, I hope that that's how they move it going forward, where it's not, it's no longer 1A and 1B. It's Jameer Gibbs is one and David Montgomery is two. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And the change of pace thing makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, 14 carries for Gibbs, 12 for Montgomery. What's the yards? Uh, 116 for Montgomery and 77 for Gibbs. I mean, Gibbs also had a, a 35 of his own, yeah. which is half his yards. So, but a combined that's all combined almost 200 yards rushing the ball. No, that was uh, the schedule opens up. That's all yes. I'm going to say is. And they're going to trap us by, like, the defense. The de- the problem is, is the defense has looked legit against bad teams. It looked good against Green Bay. It looked good last week against the Raiders. So it's kind of a trap thing, and we're going to play a lot of bad teams here in the next few weeks. We, we play uh, Bears at home, Packers on Thanksgiving, Saints on the road, Bears again, Broncos, and then we end with three tough games. So you're looking at uh, – uh, one, two, three, four, five games with the team below 500. Uh, so they're going to trap us back into it. You got to, I still think they very well could get four of the next five and sit there at 11 and three, and we'll be sitting pretty. And the defense will have forgotten about the, this game and the Ravens game and the Seahawks game uh, as we go into the the last three games of the schedule being Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. Um, and that'll be a test. I think the Vikings are going to be right there for the division with us. I really do at this point. The the, Vi- the Vikings are scary. They've got the they've got the astronaut, the Dob Father, whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever other crazy names you want to come up for him. This rocket scientist is he's a revelation. He's he's going on that Case Keenum run that Minnesota had in 2017, and I'm kind of just at a point where it's like. This game against the Chargers was so big because you mentioned how the schedule opens up. I mean, the Chargers kind of pretty much at this – Chargers, the Vikings at this point pretty much face the same schedule where they've got some weak divisional games, and then they'll they'll also play the weaker AFC teams, and they'll play whatever it might be. They'll be right on our tail going into those two games, and 
I think, I mean, I don't know who their la- their third game is in between in the sandwich between our two, but between ourselves, but we're going to have Dallas. Dallas is not going to be fun. Uh, that, I, no. like, I, I said it two weeks ago. That is that at the time was the only other game after the Ravens that scared me. And it'll still scare me because Dallas looks great. I mean, you take yeah. away the San Francisco game. They've looked even in, even in the losses, they, they, they showed up. To, they showed up to Philadelphia, played them straight up, couple, couple steps and a couple bounces don't go their way, and maybe they're in overtime, maybe they win, whatever it might be. Dak is I, a little bitch and win. Who? <laughs> I said if Dak dies through the pylon, it is a little bitch and win that game against Philly. Yeah, if his, if his shoe size was a little bit smaller, he doesn't step out of bounds. Yeah. But... Um. Um, I don't have anything. I was going to say, no, the open schedule, I mean, you mentioned should get four. I argue they should get five on paper. They're better than every single one of those teams. Now, obviously, it's the NFL. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to should be better than people on paper. You still got to go beat them. So I would say they probably end up four and one through that stretch. But anything less than four and one for me is unacceptable if you want to consider yourself a team that can compete with people. And if you go three and two, you're probably throwing away the one seed chances if there even are any based on how good the Eagles are. And you're probably throwing away the two seed shot with San Francisco looking right again. Yeah. So at this time, who would you say AFC and then NFC actually has a chance to win the Super Bowl? I'm going to tell you my teams right now. The Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Cincinnati Bengals. In the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. Those are the only five teams I think they have a chance at winning the Super Bowl. So I'm going to agree with you on the NFC. I think I, I, I do think Dallas is kind of that funny team where we mentioned Seattle being our bogey team. I think if Dallas is bogey team San Francisco, and I think they know it, and if they meet up in the playoffs, which it looks like they probably will, with Philadelphia probably being the one seed, um, San Fran will probably baptize them like they usually do. So I, I agree with you on the NFC. On the AFC, I'm actually going to expand it a little bit. I would go Chiefs, Ravens. I would go Bengals because I've seen Joe Burrow win those games before. And now maybe I'm just sitting here as like, and this, this is a cop-out answer, but I would probably add the Dolphins. I'd probably add the Browns. Yeah, I just I'm think gonna, that the, the AFC is, I think the AFC is so, so deep and so wild that someone's going to have the Browns. Someone's going to have to come out of that conference and we'll, we'll see what happens. It's just, I don't know. That maybe it's again, maybe it's a cop out for me naming basically the entire AFC and all the teams that have three losses or less. And I, I just I just do think that they're all they are all very, very good. Maybe the great equalizer is that all those teams will have to go into Kansas City and you just don't go into Kansas City and beat them. But Burrowhead. Yeah, Burrowhead, yeah, Burrowhead is right. But Easton you add any teams? No, I mean you pretty much touched on all of them. I, like it's hard, like not to say Dallas, but it's hard to say Dallas because they're just clinical chokers. Yeah, they, they just. I go so much off of like you see the same teams win big playoff games that have been there mm-hmm. consistently for years. It's not like they just got there 
and won. They've been there and done their time. San Francisco has been there the last four years now. So they've done their time. The Eagles have been there for the last, I think they had one down year in between there, but the last four or five years I've been there, run it. The Bills, I'm, I don't think they're a contender this year. They're down right now to Denver again. Um, but they've been there. And they, they're due to win one. The Chiefs, same way. You got to go there. The Lions, unfortunately, maybe this is the year that they learn to be there. I, I want to say the Lions, but it's like, no. I feel like they they just picked up where they left off last year. We're, we're, we're winning easy games and we're, we're getting shit on by a dual threat quarterback, or we're, we're keeping it tight in games that we should win if we want to be the brand new Lions instead of the same old Lions. I'm, I'm glad you I think it's a, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up that you have to kind of, you have to get, you have to be there and lose before you figure out how to win, just because that's kind of one of those things. And I look at the, the Bengals when they had their Super Bowl run, that might be the only team, they didn't even get it done. Yeah. I'm just kind of crediting them for getting there. They might be yeah. the only team I've ever seen that out of nowhere with no playoff experience whatsoever, just oh. got to the, now I'm sure I'm missing something. This is a, off spur of the moment thing, but I cannot remember a team without the experience just walking in and doing it. Yeah. Yeah. The one I think of is uh the first Eagles or the first, the last Eagles Super Bowl. Uh they were, I believe, uh like first in the division and then kind of fell off towards the end once Carson Wentz got hurt and got in as a wild card. And then went on a run with the back of quarterback. I don't know how they had been the years prior, though, or I can't remember at this point. But I want to say they came out of nowhere because that was the Carson Wentz MVP. Like, where'd this guy come from here? So I think that there's probably some truth to that in terms of success, but they still had they still had that offensive line of Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, and Lane Johnson. So you I mean you're running around with three Hall of Famers on your offensive line with that team? Yeah, they were. They were they were legit and I mean yeah you had you had Nick Foles going on the superstar run I mean what was was that year was Wentz the fifteenth I think it was a sixteen draft right him and Goff because fifteen was Mariota and Winston yeah believe yeah. so yeah yeah so that was what that was what year three of Wentz then yeah that probably sounds like a team that was maybe maybe had made the playoffs as a wild card the year before and got beaten right I I don't remember either I know that's just what I think of. Because everyone else, I don't, I don't know. I just associate with being good if they made it that far. So <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, in other news, Michigan State football goes to three and seven. They lost thirty-eight to three to Ohio State. Uh, cool. We talked about it. <laughs> do you think we got outgained by Marvin Harrison straight up? I feel like we might have. Should Should we do it? I think we, we should got check. A touchdown. That's for sure. Because he had three and we had zero. Um, we put up hey, we put up three points. That's a lot against Ohio State's defense. Hey, the second half the second was half was three three. Yeah, the it's classic three. Michigan State. So we had it looks like we had a hundred and about eight, about hundred ninety yards of offense, hundred eighty. Marvin Harrison on his own had one fifty. Yeah. Ah, no, no, because he had the twenty yards rushing. So he we outgained Marvin Harrison individually by seventeen yards, give or take. We beat the number one pick. Let's go. 
Uh, Marvin Harrison off pace. I told, I, as I said on the last podcast, he had to get 250 in the last four for me to consider him a Heisman winner. 150 is not going to cut it. Not even Sorry, three touchdowns. Marvin. Not even three touchdowns though. Not even three touchdowns. Oh. So, I'm sure Devontae Smith that year had some games. He didn't play the whole game. <laughs> All right. I mean, do you, would you call this rambling stage if we hit the rambling stage? Yeah. <laughs> this is what the last five minutes usually are. Yeah, we we get very yeah, Easton. You're you're, you're getting a, a behind the scenes look of what happens when we get through all of our topics, and it's like, well, we've still got more stupid shit we want to talk about. You got any sports takes you want to get off your chest? Oh, I didn't mean to get put on the hot spot like this. Yeah, um, say some stupid shit. It's the rambling stage. It doesn't count. My bandwagon of the year, I'm hopping on it. Houston Texans. I said in the group chat, I announced it last year as the Philadelphia Eagles. This year, it's the Houston Texans. I love it. A little different. We're a wagon. A I'm going to get a CJ Stroud uh, fathead. I'm going to put it on my wall. I'm going to get a Tank Dell fathead because he's elite. Dude, that was such a great pick by you. That guy's he's so nasty. Tank Dell's great. Uh, my honorable mention fraud of the week, Jahan Dotson. For losing me my fantasy matchup with a fat zero point zero. Yeah, did he send you into a rebuild? Are you are you starting yeah. to, to sell the farm? Yeah, no, he was just running around, just running routes out there. He was um, doing the Brandon Cooks conditioning drills. Yeah, Brandon I, Cooks had thirty eight. Brandon Cooks went off this week. He was a Brand, beast. Brandon Cooks usually goes off for like four, five games a season, and then has five games of average numbers, and then has five games where he genuinely puts up zero. And that's how he. Well, the worst part goal. was I I sat there. And I looked right as the one o'clock games were ending, and I was like, "Do I want to continue with Jahan Dots?" And I looked at my bench, and I saw Brandon Cooks, and I was like, "Yeah, I just don't think he's him." Like, I think Jahan Dotson, you know, I got a nice lead right now. It's Probably a, put up eight to ten points, not still play it safe. Or it's a damn shame too, because Sam Howell had a great game. Sam Howell is quietly, or not even quietly at this point, he's loudly become the best quarterback out of last year's class. Yeah, he's the guy, and. I mean, he looks like a guy who can become – now, maybe this is just because his team's always losing, so he has to throw by a lot. But then again, he is still hitting his receivers, which is usually what you need your quarterback to do. Um, Mac Jones and Drew Aller could use tips from him. But yeah, he, he does look like a, like a person who has an NFL future ahead of him. Yes. He's so, a weird one, though, because Washington just gave up all their prospects, on, like, on defense. So it's like – and they're four and – four and six, so they're not going to be, like, a top five pick. So it's like, where are they at? Like, they're in a weird one now. You have the you think you have the quarterback, but you haven't – like, you're not shit yet to completely tank with him, but uh, you're not good either. Like, you have to rebuild. They have an offense. They yeah. have no defense, you know, like you know why I'm laughing? This is just the classic. We we said this about Washington last year. We we say it about Washington. We said it about Washington this year. And we're going to say about Washington now. They're not good enough to make the playoffs, but they're not bad enough to get a quarterback and kind of hard reset their franchise. So they're stuck yeah. in that neutral, and it's it looks like it's going to be like this again. They'll find a guy who they think is good enough, but oh my god, we just traded away our defense, so we'll end up with some pick in the eight to twelve range, and we'll end up with what Keon Coleman. Yeah. So maybe the third best tackle on the board after the Notre Dame kids gone and after the Penn State kids gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's classic Washington. And you'll the, the John Dawson will be even more useless for you. Yeah. 
the worst part I've sat here for the past three to five years wanting them to be good, thinking they might have the talent every year, and then it's just want them to be good. Dude, it's just like they have a good team, and like the one, what was it, the one year they made it where no one uh had a winning record in their conference. Yeah, they went seven. Oh. It's the year the Bucks won the Super Bowl. That was but that's how Taylor I, that's how Taylor Heineke got a job. He made that dive for the pylon when they were down by twenty. It's like this kid's got heart, and he's gotten three contracts since then because of it. I like Taylor Heineke. I, I think there's such a maybe it's because of Schneider, I, and. Or it's because I'm a Giants fan. Like, I find them so unlikable, the Washington, whatever they're called now. Yeah. It's going to change again. Like, Josh Harris is going to change that. There's a petition to go back to the Redskins. I know. He should make – I like the Indian tribe. It should be It should be the football team. I know yeah. it's boring, but it's unique for, like, American purposes. Like, it, yeah, awesome. obviously that, that's kind of how, like, soccer goes where everyone's football club and club to football, whatever. But, like, I yeah. just – because of how unique it is from an American standpoint, they should be the Washington football team. Yeah. It's so crazy though. I don't I don't know if they'll ever do that. It's so crazy you're gonna like tell your kids one day, like when they're like the Washington like generals. General, like, <laughs> they Washington, can't even have like, that though. No, they're gonna be like the Washington Marses because we'll Washington be living on Mars at that Biden. point. No, they're not going to be a political president. The Washington, the, Wa- the Washington Lincolns. They're just named after every president now. The Washington Republican Party. Whoa! They just change it to whatever party wins. That'd be great. Yeah, they have a they have a fluid team. Yeah, they just let they just let the House of Representatives vote for the team name every year. So whatever political party it is, not the Speaker of the House. They name it after the Speaker of the House every oh. every time. Well, then we'd have a, we'd have to change it mid season at this point. <laughs> oh lord, I think we've hit like peak rambling stage. I'm gonna have to wrap this up. I gotta eat dinner, man. Okay, fair <laughs> oh, enough. God, <laughs> to those who made it this far, this was a this was a longer episode than usual. Ethan, thank you for joining us. Thank you for bringing the heat. I, I there's some, some insightful. <laughs> What'd you say? You're welcome, man. Anytime. Next week, I, was, I I need to go to bed. You hear what I just said? No. So I looked at him. And I said, "Thanks for having." Dead serious. Looked at him and said, "Thanks for having me on." All right. So as usual, for me, go Lions. I leave the last words to you too. Go Green. Big game tomorrow. Go White. <laughs>